Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We thank you, Father, for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for teaching us. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. You good? Everyone's good? All right, let's turn to Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. And uh, it's going to be in the C- CSB. And one of the things that I want to share is a recap of a couple weeks ago. If you guys remember a couple weeks ago, we started a series. And two weeks ago, it was a message on the first church, which was Ephesus, right? Ephesus was a church a community that previously had great revivals and great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But even the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit probably in Scripture, they had one thing while they were doing that years later that they put the priority of Jesus relationally second and put working for Jesus first. Now remember, the Bible only calls us to repent for sin, not a weakness in our schedule. Not just, uh, uh, I tried to lose weight and I ate a cookie, so I need to repent. No, it, it, he calls re- repentance only for sin. And Jesus said in the book of Ephesians, he said that the, the, we need to repent for leaving our what? First love. And so you could be doing good works for Jesus and be in wrong relationship with Jesus. And the power of the Holy Spirit came on that day so strong. And so uh, he gave us three instructions, though. You know what I love about Jesus? He gave us three instructions of how to overcome what he's telling us to repent of. He gives us three instructions about what to do, even though he's upset at the church for for doing uh, doing works above relationship. He says, here's what you need to do, and I call it the three R's, right? He gave John the three R's. I added the last R. But the three R's was this. Remember where you have fallen. This is just review. Number two, repent. Right? And then he says, do the first works, and I call that repeat. In other words, repeat what you used to do when you were on fire for God. He gives us clear instructions, church. Amen? And so what we want to do is learn from these principles and churches so that we won't fall in the same trap. Amen? And it brings us to the second church in Smyrna. Now, boy, this is going to be preached. Lord. If the Lord allows me and gives me strength. Boy, I tell you what, this, this church right here, and I know there's uh, people that are familiar with th- these passages. As I've studied this, I realize, oh, my goodness, this is happening uh, to a degree with a lot of us in our community and the body of Christ. Smyrna was a church that remained faithful in the midst of great testing, affliction, pain, persecution, and martyrdom. None of us have experienced that in our family or in America yet. But let me tell you something. They're one of the only churches in the book of Revelation that did not receive a correction or a rebuke. They only received the affirmation of the Lord and then prophecies, which you see is probably not the best prophecy that they could get, uh, on them to remain faithful. Come on, say amen to that. And so, a little side joke, they they started a satellite church about an hour and a half away from here in the beach. Smyrna, no, just joke. I had to do that, sorry. Church in Smyrna over there. <laughs> no, they didn't, just joking. They didn't start a satellite church again. Revelations 2.8 sets the stage for the church of Smyrna. That, listen, every church and, and principle that was given to the churches then, the same principles, because he was highlighting spiritual conditions, the same principle needs to be applied to us. Can I hear an Amen. So Revelations 2, 8 through 11. Write to the angel with the messenger, which is the overseer of the church. The Lord says, 
Write to the angel of the church in Smyrna. Thus says the first and the last, the one who was dead and came to life. I know your affliction and your poverty, Jesus says, but you are rich. I know the slander of those who say there are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. That's a big thing for the Lord to say. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Look, the devil's about to throw some of you into prison to test you. I need you to highlight certain things here because we're going to do an, an expository teaching today. And you will experience affliction. Notice that Jesus didn't say the prophecy was, I see what the devil's going to do to you, but I'm going to take you out of that. He didn't say that. He said, you're poor. You have affliction. You suffer. You're getting martyred. And by the way, don't be afraid for what you're about to experience. I'm like, come on, Lord. All right? Affliction for 10 days. Or tribulation in some of the verses. Be faithful to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Let everyone or anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who overcomes or conquers will never be harmed by the second death. And look up at me. One of the greatest misconceptions of, of people today that are going through severe testing is the lack of understanding why the testing is happening. And when we don't understand why the testing is happening, if we don't fully see through the eyes of Scripture and the eyes of the Lord, we will, we will quickly go to the route that God has abandoned us, that we are doing something incredibly wrong, and that uh, we have lack of faith, we have doubt. And then we get into despair and discouragement. Has anybody been, has anybody been that way? Hello? Because it seems like it doesn't end. It seems like the trial or the testing never ends. But the church of Smyrna was known, listen, to remain faithful in the midst of severe testing. Oh, guys, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Jesus knew all this. You can take that down. That's not, 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 not for yet, but thank you for that. Jesus knew all of this, so he starts off by encouraging the church. I know. You know, something. if the Lord comes to you and gives you a prophecy and is very specific, what I love about Jesus is that his knowledge of your testing is not generalized. It's very, very specific. He knows even the migraine that you've been having for years. He knows the very specific problems that you have for years, and he goes, I know. That is very encouraging to, to, for us at the start because it's not like Jesus doesn't know. He's just maybe silent. But his silence doesn't mean that he doesn't know. So he says, I know, watch this, your, your works, and I know. Then he goes, I'm the first and the last who was dead and now came to life. That's encouraging for the Smyrna church. Why? Because he's basically telling them, Smyrna church, I know what you're going through, not because I'm God, because I was also martyred. Because I also suffered. And I know what you're going through in your community, in the church. You're suffering great persecution because of your faithfulness to me. And I want you to know I know this, and there's going to be a great reward for you. But watch this. Smyrna in the Greek is almost a prophetic sign, a prophetic picture of what the whole church was going through. I don't know if you guys know this, but does anybody know the Greek word for Smyrna? This is gonna, it's shocking. Myrrh. Look it up. Strong's G something, but it's there. I'm actually going to give some of the strong verse. There's two, there's two uh, uh, Greek words for Smyrna. One of them is very generalized. But when you click on the other uh, derivative of the Greek word, it means it means myrrh. Now watch this. Do you remember about a year ago or so? And I'll show you, those of you who can't find it, I'll show you. It's blueletterbible.org. You click an, a, another number, and it goes into the Greek, and, it's, and it said myrrh. And I go, oh, my God. Smyrna in the Greek means myrrh. Does anyone remember how myrrh is produced? 
Does anybody remember how the anointing oil that was given in the Old Testament was five recipes for anointing oil, and one of them was myrrh. Do you remember I preached on that? The process of myrrh is this, is that it, they go through a steaming process. The, the, the seed that's deriv derived from that plant goes through a steaming hot process to get the tears from that seed, and that tears from the steaming process produces myrrh. A sweet-smelling fragrance. And myrrh is a beautiful picture of meekness and holiness. I mean, meekness and humility. Why do I say that? Because the goal of testing is to prove our obedience. But the process to get to obedience is the steaming out of humility and meekness so that we can be obedient. Meekness and humility are the recipe to be obedient to whatever God desires when he desires it. Why? Because when you walk in humility, he can ask you anything and he knows that you will do it. But in order to get humility and meekness, you got to be steamed out. Smyrna is a perfect picture of their name in Greek. They were being steamed out and it's, and it's a beautiful picture when the Lord allows this prophetic process of myrrh throughout trials and testing the church remained faithful come on say amen so enduring persecution affliction testing trials as the church of Smyrna did how many are going through a test how many are going through a test I'm going to shock you at the Greek word for test in this. I was shocked at what the Greek word for test was. The devil tempts you. The, the Lord tests you. But what I found out in the Greek is that the Lord, the devil tests you through his methods. But the result of both testings is the producing of obedience of our faith. Look at this slide. Humility and meekness are one of the key ingredients to produce quick obedience to whatever God says and whatever God wants from us. Say amen. So there's no, there's no super Christians here. We're all weak, just like them, and depending on the power of the Holy Spirit. But look at what the Bible says about biblical suffering, because I, you need to know something. Almost every time that you're tested, maybe not all the time, but the majority of the time that we are being tested in our faith, God has an end goal for that test. It's not just to test you. There's something that he wants to pull out of you. And I'm going to say something in a, in a couple minutes that's going to be very, very important for you to know. But what does the biblical suffering, um, what, what, is it, what does it, the Bible say about biblical suffering? Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 16. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 16 in the New King James. I think we need to reevaluate the fact that the, the, the doctrine of suffering. Not that we glorify suffering and not that we look for suffering. It's the fact that we can't escape it. We can't escape testing, and the testing of our faith proves that we believe what we really believe. And you know what squeezes it out of you most? Persecution and test. If you stand after this persecution and test, if I'm still teaching today when things have happened in my life and I don't feel all, all the way right, these are tests that God is bringing us through. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. Beloved, do not think it's strange. I love Peter. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Peter. He wasn't all religious. He's like, hey, guys, this is part of the game. Why, why are you surprised? He goes, don't think it's strange. Some of you are like, why is this happening to me? And Peter's like, it's supposed to happen to you. I think we get all spiritual sometimes and say it's all demonic and all demonic and all demonic. No, no, no. It, 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 God is testing some of us. He's putting us through the test. And I want to remind you that the Lord says, you're, you're being tested, Smyrna. He said, remain faithful, Smyrna. Church, you're being tested, RCC. But he's not answering. You are being tested, RCC. Look at what Peter says. Don't, be, don't think it's strange concerning these, not just trials, <laughs> fiery trials. Wait, wait, wait not, not just trials, the, the fiery trials, which is about to try you. Come on, give me a better prophecy than that. 
as though, listen, as though some strange thing is happening to you. Oh my God, I could preach for an hour. Don't think it's strange about the fiery trials that are about to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Okay, let's now settle it. Let's now settle it. Let's stop being overly religious about all these things and realize that God, yes, God, I'm going to say it again, God with a capital G, initiates the test. Not just the devil. God initiates the test. Now watch this. Ooh, glory. Rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings. I'm be honest. I don't know if I could do that all the time. Praise God. I'm rejoicing. I'm partaking in Christ's suffering. I fainted twice, went to the hospital two times. It was traumatic this week. Man, praise. I didn't say that. I'm just going to be honest. I'm like, why? What's going on with me? Now watch this now. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Now here's the key, guys. Please listen to this. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. If you are reproached, if you talk bad about... Now here's the key phrase, guys. Not because you're doing bad behavior. For the name of Christ. It is not, oh God, everyone's picking on me and you're in sin and they're just calling you out on your sin. <laughs> That's not it. If, someone's, if someone loves you enough to say, bro, sis, man, you know, this is not right. You need to turn from that. You need to, you, you, this is not right. I'm concerned about you. That is not persecution. But watch this. He goes, only if you are reproached for Christ are you blessed and the spirit of Christ is on you. Now watch this now. Now watch this. Here's the key. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. I love what Peter says because he explains and brings a balance to everything. He said, but do not let none of you suffer as a murderer. In other words, I'm suffering right now. I'm going to jail. This is, I don't know. I ask for forgiveness. Yeah, you murder somebody, bro. Don't, don't, listen, don't suffer as a thief, as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Now watch this. If anyone suffers as a what? As a what? As a what? Now he's talking to believers now. Let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in this matter. Help me, Lord, I've fallen short of that. Let him glorify God in this manner? Basically, what he's saying is, when you stay obedient to me, son, and you preach my word to your people in the midst of all that you're going through, you're glorifying me. I'm just giving you an example of me. How about you? Have you stopped praising God? Oh, God, don't let me preach here. Have you stopped putting that worship music on because of the severe testing that's happened? Have you stopped teaching? Have you stopped preaching? Have you stopped your calling? Listen, Jesus gets very specific with us. And just like he did to the church of Smyrna. He is well aware of what you're going through. And I'm going to give you good news, RCC. He doesn't have general knowledge of what you're going through. He has specific. And you say, but why hasn't he come through? Just wait a couple minutes. I'm going to tell you why we are going through the testing just like Smyrna was. Do you realize that Smyrna didn't get rescued from the, the testing? Do you know that... that, that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not, were not exempt from the fire. They got thrown in the fire. But Jesus was in the fire. Do you realize that the children of Israel didn't get raptured out of Egypt when the plagues came? Come on, you better talk back to me. They were in Egypt when the plague came. They had to endure. Do you know that Elijah had to suffer uh, with no food when he called a drought for three and a half years and he lived in that place where he called a drought. Imagine Darren prophesying a drought in a city because there's no obedience and now you have to live in that drought. You're like, come on, Lord. I got to eat. He had to suffer too. Watch this. Watch this. He knows. Everybody say he knows. I'm getting somewhere with this. I'm getting somewhere with this. He knows what you're suffering about and the, you may never know, I may never know until we stand up 
there with the Lord. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. And he says, you have no idea what this stopped you from doing. You have no idea what this test prevented you from going if I didn't allow this test to happen. You would have, not, you would have been a huge mistake. Why does he know? Look at he, the writer of Hebrews. This is so good. Are you getting something this morning? All right, Hebrews chapter 4. Come on, I feel the Holy Spirit on me. That's good now. For, watch this. For, for Hebrews chapter 4 in the CSB. Look at this, church. I want you to see if you're tested and if you're, being, if you're, if you're tempted or, or afflicted. Look at this. For we do not have a high priest, hallelujah, in the CSB, who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every area as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with what? Why can we, why can we approach the grace with boldness? Because we have the knowledge that he sympathizes for our sin. Because he was tempted in all points. It's not just because he's a merciful God and we understand that he has a gracious God. The Bible says here, he goes, uh, we don't have a, a high priest that cannot sympathize with your weakness. Therefore, come to the... In other words, he's saying, he was human just like you. Come to him because of that. Oh, glory to God. Come to the throne of grace with all boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace in the time of need. And he knows exactly how to minister to you right now. Pastor George may not know how to minister to you. Some of the prophetic people uh, in this world may not know how to minister to you. But he knows specifically how to minister to you. Not only because he's God, but because he went through everything and more that we're going through. And he knows. Come on, say he knows. So let's break down the rest of Revelation 2 in these couple verses right now to see the main message that God wanted to give the church of Smyrna, but also give us today in the body of Christ. Look at this, look at this first one. He says, I know your affliction, no, listen to me, and poverty, but you are rich. I want to break the bubble of the religious people in here. All right? The poverty that Jesus was talking about was not just poor in spirit. It was poor in finances. They may not have started that way, but they became poor in finances because the, the Bible says the church of Smyrna, yes, they knew they were spiritually poor. What is spiritual poverty? It is the acknowledgement that we were bankrupt without the goodness of God, and so that means we depend on God. But sometimes we over-spiritualize things. It's like, well, he's not really talking about real poverty. No, in this verse in the Greek, he's talking about they had real hardship financially. Why? Because back in those days, well, you know what? Let, let me just say this. I want to make sure that I get, I get the, uh, the, the, the Greek word for poverty. Okay, yeah. So, so their allegiance to Jesus and the government saying that that's not right caused them to be stripped of property, financial opportunity. Why? Because back in those days, there was like ruler, ruler worship or emperor worship, what they call it. And the government instituted that. Listen, listen. Sometimes people... We don't say it, but we worship our government more than we worship God. And we, we do whatever the government tells us, sometimes contrary to what the Word of God says. Because we're going to get a benefit or a handout. Don't make me start preaching here. It don't matter what side you're on. You better be on the Lord's side. You better be on the Bible side. It don't matter the culture. It don't matter what, what benefit you're going to get. Stop thinking about the benefit and start thinking about the cause and the purpose. So, so, so why do I say this? Because emperor worship said it in that time that if you don't bow down to Caesar or any of the rulers and proclaim them to be as God or, or, or bow down and worship them, you know what happens? They would strip them from financial opportunities so that they would be poor and have nothing. I don't, listen, I, I, I know people will, will, will email me about the whole prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel, but I'm going to tell you. I've been poor and I've had much. I don't care what you say. It's very hard when you're poor. You can't overly religious, religialize, if that's even a word, spiritualize 
the fact that just because you're poor financially, that you're blessed. I'm sorry. There's a false teaching that says, you know what? The true blessings are people that are poor financially. Well, you can't pay your bills. You can't feed your children. You can't, you can't pay for the necessities. And you call that God's blessing? But watch this. It's not saying that, it's, that, that you're unblessed if you're poor. You can still be blessed and poor. But he goes, I know your poverty. Now, the Greek word for poverty there, you can put that up there so you guys can see, is toshea. Right? You don't pronounce the T. And it's literally to beg in poverty the condition of one destitute of riches and abundance and indigence. Did I say that right? Indigence or is it indigence? Indigence. Okay. So that's stra- I got that straight straight from the Greek word of poor. Now, um, if you look at there, there's nothing spiritual about that. It's not poor in spirit. It's not just destitute in spirit. Now, it could be applied that. But it, the Greek word there is destitute of riches and abundance and finances. Now, what is indigence? Because I was like, what is indigence? Because I never used that word before in my life. I'm like, dude, I'm indigent today. I don't, I don't know. I need some money. I, I, never, I never use that word, right? So, so I looked up the word indigence in the Webster Dictionary. And look what it says. Just so you got to have an idea what God was highlighting there in the community. He's, watch this. It says, Webster Dictionary, a level of poverty in which real, I'm, I'm quoting word for word. If anybody has the Webster Dictionary app, go ahead and put it up there so you can see. A level of poverty, indigence, in which real hardship and deprivation are suffered and comforts of life are wholly lacking. W-H-O-L-L-Y. All lacking. The quality of life. So they were, not, they were stripped of property, housing, food. They had such hardship. Zoom in. And they did not deny the Lord. All they had to do was deny the Lord and they would get back their finances. They would get back their money. They would get back their homes. Come on, somebody. They would get back their opportunities. But the Lord says, I know your poverty, but you're really rich. What are you saying? You're rich in me, but I know that you are suffering financially and I know it's hard. And again, please listen to me. I wish God would say, and I'm not going to have, you're not going to be poor anymore. He didn't even say that. He says, I know your poverty, and I know your spiritual poverty, and I know your, your natural poverty. In the physical, you refuse to bow to Caesar. And because you refuse to bow, watch this, let me just modernize it. Because you refuse to bow to the temptation that the testing is producing in you to quit or to talk bad about God, you're going to be blessed. But he didn't take away their poverty. He said the church of Smyrna suffered physical suffering. Everybody say physical. It gets worse. You know the next thing that the, the church of Smyrna, the community suffered? Not only did they suffer physically, financially being stripped, and they did not deny the Lord. Amen? They suffer from the religious world. Modern day. They also suffer from the church. The so-called church. It's one thing, church, if the world is testing you and persecuting you and the Lord is allowing that to refine you. There's another thing if the world and the church at the same time are testing you and provoking you and saying all these kinds of things at you and you still remain faithful. Why, why do you say the church? Okay, well, let me, let, let's break this down. Look at the next slide. I know the slander. Oh, God, come on. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews, religious system, and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Listen, Jesus said, I know that the world is persecuting you, and I know the church is messing with you. You have 
both worlds pressing at you. And I want you to know that you have not given in. You have not talked bad about me. You keep praising me. You keep showing up. And I want to tell you that I see that. And there's going to be a great reward. I'm going to strengthen you in the midst of that. But you have no idea. You have no idea the purpose of why I'm allowing these things to happen. Because at the end, you will be trusted with so much things that I can't trust to anybody else. But if you endure, I will give you these things. Do you know I looked up the word synagogue? And it's like the, it's the word synagogue <laughs> in the Greek. And it's not a building. Look it up. The word synagogue in the Greek is, a, is like an ecclesia. It's a group of people that are, are used to gather into a place of worship, normally religious Jews. So what he's saying is the religious system is also testing you. Have you guys been tested to the point where not only your finances are being stripped, not only do you have health problems in your family, not only do you have worldly system pressing you, testing you, so that you could just say, watch this, watch this, watch this. I was better off in the world. <laughs> I, I was better off in the world. I bet some of you are saying that right now. You know, I, didn't, I never had these many problems. Before I gave my life to the Lord. Of course you didn't. Because once you give your life to the Lord, you are a threat to the enemy. You are a threat to darkness. Come on, somebody. You are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. They lost one more soul. Now another person has the Holy Spirit. Now another person is looking at the image of God. Now another person is looking and shining bright and defeating his purposes. That's why he hates you and that's why the tests will come and God will initiate it. Look at Job. I, listen, I freaked out the other day and I, I reread it because someone said a comment. I go, I don't think that's true. Let me read, read it again. Because someone said in a podcast, it was God that started it, not the devil. I go, no, 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 the devil. And I, and I read Job. And the devil was just minding his own business. <laughs> and the devil showed up to God. I mean, the devil and Lucifer showed up to God and, and God was like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, well, I'm just roaming through, through the earth, you know. I'm doing my evil job. Watch this, watch this. He, the devil didn't even mention Job. God goes, have you ever considered my servant Job? Come on, the God, please. Like the devil's like, huh. Well, you know, now that you say that, God, I, I, I didn't think about that. Yeah, what about Job? Well, he is the most righteous person on the earth, and he will never curse me. Oh, okay. Well, just take that hedge of protection around him, and I bet you he'll curse you. The Lord, are you ready for this, said, go ahead and touch him, but don't take his life. Just when you thought everything was really bad for the Smyrna Church because they're having problems and testing, and I'm, I'm waiting for a little, because I'm, I'm going to explain testing in a second. It's going to blow up here. They got persecution from the worldly system, job, finances. No, they apply for job. Everybody else gets job, not the Smyrna Church. They apply for apartments. Everybody, I'm just modernizing it, gets approved, not the Smyrna Church. They go to the grocery stores. They can't buy everything. They're stripped financially because they refuse to deny the Lord. That's a picture of the end time church. And then they're like, I'm going to go to the church for some comfort. Man, maybe the church could help me. Now they're a synagogue of Satan. Now they're talking about, you, you should, you're, you're too radical. You, why don't you deny the Lord a little bit and get a little finances for your life? The church sometimes gets the worst counsel that we could ever get. Well, you know, if you just kind of just, you know, you don't have to be that on fire for God. You know, you don't have to be that radical. Come on, somebody. Look at Revelations 2, verse 10. This, just when you thought it would be bad, just when you thought, okay, the worldly system and now the religious system, church, is testing you. Neglecting you, not calling you, calling you names. And you're like, man, maybe I am that way. Listen to me. Watch this. 
Then God gives an quote-unquote encouraging prophecy to the church. I mean, you would think, okay, finally God is coming on the scene. Thank you. Here's the Lord. He's about to give me a word. I'm a prophetic conference. I'm in the prophecy rooms. Finally, I've endured. I stay strong. The persecution and the testing from the world, and now the church. I am so lonely. Let me go to some, give me get, give me get a prophetic word. Jesus gives this prophetic word. He shows up on the scene, and he goes, Revelations 2. Church of Smyrna, RCC, don't be afraid. Okay, okay, God, God, he's going to end this thing. Of what you're about to suffer. <laughs> don't be afraid. I know you're suffering. I know you're poor, and I know you're weak, and I also know the church religious system is attacking you, causing you to bend, wanting to bend and compromise, wanting you to, to just compromise a little, and you haven't. But I have good news for you. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer, because what you're about to suffer doesn't compare to these two things. Come on, Lord. Is there another prophecy that you could give me? Is there another word? That, could you grab, like, the, the prophecy bag and give me another word? Can you, like, you see my faith. You just said I'm faithful. You're prophetic. Could you imagine, after everything you're going through, the Lord shows up and says, don't be afraid. I know what you've gone through. I know what you're currently going through. But you're going to go through worse. See you later. I'm here. How would you feel? If God gave you a prophetic word like that, if God gave our prophetic word like that, don't be afraid about what you're about to suffer. Now, please zoom in because the meat of this message is coming in right now. Here is the key that people miss, and I've been preaching it this whole service. The Lord said, the devil will throw some of you in prison. Zoom in on me to test you. Now watch this. Did you notice that it says the devil will throw you into prison to test you? Now, what is the Greek word for test? I, 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 honestly, I almost texted some people like, I didn't know this. Now, the Greek word for test, now it's going to be up there. Listen, just so you know that I'm not making this up. And by the way, if you know anything about Greek definitions, there's a whole paragraph sometimes. So I picked phrases of those Greek, real Greek definitions and put it into a readable sentence. You understand? Now look at this slide here of the Greek. So, so, so look at me for a second. There, in the Greek definition of testing, it actually says in the whole Greek lexicon, a section of from God or good, right, good, and then it says bad, but all under the Greek word of testing. So watch this. The testing from God in the Greek means, watch this, to set or begin a trail trial, sorry, a trial in the life of someone to test for the purpose, I'm reading word for word, of ascertaining a specific quality. I'm trying to get a quality out of you that you don't even know it's in you, but I know it's in you, but it's in baby form, but I want that to mature because boy, when that thing matures, there's going to be all havoc done to the kingdom of darkness. And in your life, you're going to walk with such great character, but it's a baby right now. Listen, I'm testing you, the Greek word, to ascertain a specific quality. Watch this now. Oh, my Lord. To test or try someone on how they think or behave themselves because of the testing. How they think and behave themselves because of the testing. The real you comes out during the testing. And God is saying, I'm trying to ascertain even how, I'm trying to prove your thoughts that are truly the thoughts that you said you're going to serve the Lord and never deny me. I'm proving even your thought process that you would stay faithful. Some of you are like, you know what, no matter what happens, Lord, I'm going to be with you like Peter. And it's just in your thoughts. And God allows tests and trials. And you don't understand. I don't understand what's happening to me. But the more I understand Scripture, the more I say, please don't, get, please don't freak out when I say this. I'm not prophesying any negative. Like Esther, if I die, I die. And when you get to that point, when you're really dead inside, you've just defeated and discombobulated the devil. You, the devil can't, if you realize that you're still showing up to work, you still show up at your job, he goes, I'm done. I can't, I, I, he, 
If I kill that person, they're still going to be faithful. And that's what happened to the Smyrna church. Many of them were martyred because they didn't worship the emperor. They were martyred. They weren't just, they weren't just having financial problems. They were martyred. That community was going through. I mean, guys, Smyrna, the church, was going through hell. Now, now listen, that's the first part of the Greek definition of testing. Look at the, I, I'm, I'm talking about the Greek definition of testing in the word, in, uh, you shall be tested. Look at what it says in the Greek from the devil's point of view. Again, I didn't get this. I got this from the Greek lexicon. From the devil or bad to test one maliciously. Now watch this. The Lord tests us by allowing trials, by allowing pressure, by allowing to see how watch we will respond to gossip. He, he allows all that, right? To form something in us. But the devil tests us? Now, now that's crazy. God is, the devil's doing God's purpose in our life. The devil tests us by using temptation and enticement to see if you give in and remain, or remain faithful. Because the, the, the Lord will never show you or never initiate a, a, a lustful image. That's not the Lord testing you. That's the devil tempting you. But watch this. Also testing your faith to see if you remain faithful. Watch this. The word test. To test one maliciously. To craftily put to the proof someone's feeling or judgments. To test one's faith, virtue, and character. Watch this. I'm going to read it slow. To test one's faith. Virtue and character, read this with me, by enticement to sin. That's word for word from the Greek, Greek definition of testing. You could take that off. In other words, the, the initiation of the devil to entice us to sin is actually serving God's purpose to test us. To see if God could say he remained faithful. She remained faithful. And the Lord uses the enemy to test us. Remember, the prophecy that God gave to Smyrna was not, I'm going to, the devil's going to put you in prison, but I have arrived and I'm going to send an angel and take you out. He goes, I'm going to, uh, the devil's going to put you to prison to take you to test. Now watch this. I, I normally don't probably preach here in the, in the thing, but he, he, here's, here's, here's what I, I, I want to mean from that. He says, I'm going to put you to the test. But the Bible gives four results and promises. I'm going to preach here in a second. I'm closing. For enduring suffering. Do you know that? Do you know the Lord gives you four results, four results more, but in one scripture of what will happen if we endure this type of suffering? Do you want to know what it is? You want to know what it is? Four things that will happen to you if you stand faithful during suffering. This is what God is going to do in you. Because you're like, okay, get to the point. What is the result of this suffering? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 11. Look at the screen. 1 Peter chapter 5. Oh, this is going to be good. Verse 8 through 11. Are you getting something this morning? Be sober. Be vigilant. Listen. For your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaming lion, seeking who he may devour. Look at this now. Look at this. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Now, here is the key. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Look at me. That means, guys, don't be discouraged. There's people in China. There's people in Russia. There's people in Iran that are living for God that are going through much worse things than you. So be encouraged. You're not the only one suffering. You're not just a bad person. You're not just uh, uh, the, 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 the chosen one from the devil. Be encouraged. The brothers around the world are suffering for Christ. Now watch this. Here's the key. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Jesus, everybody say this. This is, I'm a, this is how I'm going to end so powerfully. Right? After you have what? Suffered. After you have suffered a while, here's the four things that will happen, Smyrna. Here's the four things that will happen, RCC, if you endure testing and suffering. After you suffered a while, he may... Perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. You want the result of suffering and testing? Here it is. It says, if you endure, he goes, you will endure suffering for a while. And when you do, he will perfect you. What does perfect mean? Mature. He will establish you. That means he's going to plant you. 
He's going to then strengthen you because of the test. Watch this. And then you become unwavering. He will settle you. No wind will be able to knock you off course. What produced that? You being faithful during the testing and suffering. People don't just get magically strong just, oh, I'm going to say something that's controversial here. You don't get strong just through prayer only. You don't. You don't get strong by even praying for strength. Because if all you do is pray for strength and waver every time suffering coming, you're not being established, perfected, and settled. Oh, come back. Being established, perfected, and settled has nothing to do with your prayers. It has to do with your endurance to suffering. You want to be strong? Don't just pray, give me strength, and just cry about everything that happened to you and deny God and, and then come back. And that, that's, not, that's not prevailing. Suffering, enduring suffering. Now watch this. Here's where I'm going to pre- Here's where I'm going to end. I'm going to, oh Lord. The one thing, one thing that I saw in this text that gave me hope, because you could think that there's really no hope here. Just endure, just endure, just endure. Are you ready for this? Are you ready to shout? There's a, there's a phrase in this whole thing that made me realize that there will be an end to suffering. That you're not going to suffer forever. You say, where? He said, you will be in prison 10 days. Can I preach for a second? Can I preach? Can I preach? Can I preach? That means God has his hand on the time clock. That means he is the one who initiates the start of the test, and he initiates the end of the test. He didn't say 15 days. He didn't say it's going to be whatever three months. He didn't say it's going to be whenever I feel like. He says there will be 10 days that you're going to suffer. You will have this time on the time clock. Jesus is the only one that determines the length of your test, not the devil. Listen, the devil does not determine the length of your test. He has his finger in the time clock, and only he says when it's over and baby let me tell you when he says it's over no demon in hell no human in the earth could prolong that testing no demonic force could continue that testing when he says it's over it is over he said 10 days I got my hand on the clock. Watch this. I'm going to say something a little controversial, but hear me now. We can possibly determine the length of our wilderness, but not the length of our testing. Only God determines the length of our testing. We could determine. You say, how do you know that? Because in the children of Israel, if you do study, many of you know, they were in how many years in the wilderness? But theologians say it would have took 11 days or so if they took the right route. If they were just obedient and stopped complaining, the God would have said, it's this way, and you're only 11 days away. But no, you're going to keep going that mountain because you didn't pass a test. You could dictate the length of your wilderness, but not the testing. But I have good news for you. You're not going to suffer forever, and there's a time clock on your suffering. I said, there's a time clock for your suffering. He goes, you're going to be in prison not for three months. You're not going to be in prison until the devil says so. The devil does have no say over your suffering. I say when it's over. I say when it's over. You may be on your seventh day, but hold on. Day eight, day nine, day ten is about to come. And if you stay faithful, maybe you'll be martyred. But you will have... Watch this. The last command, he said, be faithful. Look at, put that slide up. Everybody say faithful. faithful. Even unto death. Yes. Yes. Watch this now. And you will receive oh, the crown of life. Worship team, could you come up here? I want you to know, church of RCC. I want you to know the church of, of Smyrna. You will be tested by the devil. You will be tested by the world. You will be tested by the religious system. Listen, but I have my hand on the time clock. It's 10 days. Now for us, we don't know that time. But if we, do, what, what do we do? What do we do during the time of testing? Our job, trust him all the way long. Trust him all the way along the process that he has not forgotten about you. That he is not.
that your testing is for a purpose. It's not because he's absent. It's not because he's not listening. It's because sometimes, and this is hard for me to, to say, your reward is not going to be here. Sometimes your reward for your suffering, you will see in the millennial kingdom. You will see how much he trusts you in the millennial kingdom to govern regions. We give so much attention to this lifespan of 80, 90 years, which is a little drop like this compared to all eternity. And how you live here will sometimes determine the assignment God gives us in eternity. Jesus said, I got my hand on the time clock, church. You know, the church in Smyrna didn't know. Actually, they did know it was 10 days. But some of you guys don't know. But I'm going to tell you, the devil does not have his hand on the clock. God does. He determines it through his purpose, through what he's trying to get in us, what he's trying to birth through us. I want to go back to Job for just a second. Do you know that Job... To prove that, that, that you can't determine the length of the test. Do you know that Job was the, one of the righteous, most righteous men in the, in, the, in the Bible at that time? The Bible even says that, right? Listen to me. Imagine God says, have you considered Enrique? He's one of the most righteous. Not, not just consider that he's one of the most righteous. In other words, I see that, right? Let me, let's zoom in. Do you not realize that every day Job prayed for the ending of the test? Do you think, do you think that he shortened the test because of his, uh-oh, 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 because of his prayers? Or did he finally just realize, I need to yield to the process. I need to trust the Lord. Because something is being birthed in me that God wants to use for his glory. God is birthing something in me. Not only for others, but for me. To save me from even myself. Do you know that when you say, God, save me, say, God, save me even from me. Because I know me better than anyone. And God says, I'm going to put you through that test so you can stay faithful. Because I don't want to, watch this, lose you. That's why I'm testing you. Be faithful, oh my God. Are you ready for this last thing? This is going to be powerful. Then we're going to pray. How many feel the Holy Spirit here? Faithfulness produces fruitfulness. He said, be faithful to the end. Faithfulness produces fruitfulness. The problem with the modern church is we're trying to get people fruitful before we make them faithful. And it ends up being a disaster. We tell people to be fruitful. In other words, to be on time for service. We tell them to be fruitful in their serving. We tell them to be fruitful in their giving. We tell them to be fruitful in, in, in the, the teachings that they do or the singing that they do without telling them and teaching them to be faithful. You could be fruitful and not be faithful. Uh-oh. I said you could be fruitful. In other words, you show up, you, show up, you do your job. You help out. But that doesn't mean you're faithful. I heard a phrase years ago, God can never take an able man and make him faithful, but he could always make a faithful man and make him able. The able person may have a lot of abilities, but they show up late, they skip stuff, but boy, they could sing. Boy, they could teach. Boy, they can write, and they have excellent skills, but they're always late. They're not faithful. But the one who has mediocre skills and mediocre talent, they're there 30 minutes before server starts, wanting to help. God could augment that deficiency of the gift because he sees faithfulness in them. Now lastly, he says, what are you going to get? Are you ready? The crown of life. What is the crown? A crown in the Greek. Here. There are two types of words in the Greek for crown. One is in a military sense. One other, you go to the military and you have victory in war, you get crowned 
as a victor in war. But this particular word for crown in the Greek is an athletic sense for someone finishing their race. I said we're for someone finishing, not just starting real fast and burning out halfway. This word crown in the Greek means wreath. Look it up. It was actually a wreath. Do you ever wonder why the Olympics had that wreath? Because they originated in Greece. You remember that? That's the crown. That wreath is a crown given to people who endure the hardship and finish the race. And then at the end, there's a crown that identifies them. This one is the one who won. This one is the one who overcame. This one is the one who had all hell broke loose and still came out on the finish line. The same Greek word for Revelation 2, for the crown of life, is the same exact Greek word that Paul uses in 2 Timothy, verse 4, is Stephanos or Stephanos. And you know that same Greek word in, in 2 Timothy 4? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now is laid for me the crown of righteousness that the Lord will give me on that day. But not just to me but to all who love his appearing. The crown is your reward. And your godly character is a reward and a product. Perfection, settle, establish, and strengthen. Some of us need to be settled because we are tossed to and fro by everything that happens. We get strong and then temptations happen and we're back in the world. And God says, I love you so much that that's not the pattern that I want you to live for the rest of your life. But I can't stop it. I'm going to put you through a test. And it's going to humble you. And you're not going to do those things anymore after a while. Because you're going to be so empty and destitute of everything that the only hope you have is me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand up. Come on, let's all stand up for the Lord. I want you to see this one last thing because it brought me to tears. I don't know if some of you guys have done study on this, but do you know who they say the apostolic overseer of Smyrna was? Because he said, go to the church or the messenger of, of, of Smyrna, which is the leader, apostolic leader. Some of you know that you study this. His name was Polycarp. Polycarp, according to studies and, and readings that I've done, Polycarp was a student, a pupil of John. Polycarp was the overseer that Jesus said to, for John to give this letter to. Watch this now. Polycarp and his people, because he was a leader, told his people, we were not going to bow, guys. As the leader, he says, we're going to go through some persecution. The Lord says this letter to John to give to Polycarp. It says, don't be afraid. I know you're in poverty. I know this, the Jews, the religious system, that they're synagogue of Satan. And you're going to be tested for 10 days. But be faithful to the end. Do you know that it's said that a couple years after this letter, Polycarp. Now, pause. It was said, again, many, there's many readings out there, that the purpose for the 10 days was to torture someone for that period so that every day they would be tortured tortured so that they would deny Christ and if they didn't they would get killed do you know that some history states that a couple years later Polycarp was arrested for not giving in to the Roman government and not denying Jesus and was tortured for 10 days and he did not give up and you know what happened to him they said after 10 days of torture he's not denying the Lord you know how he died he got burned at the stake and thrust with a spear. He, you know what? The, in other words, the devil says, forget about him. You strip the enemy's power when you stay faithful in your testing. You strip the power of the enemy to do anything to you 
because that you will you too when you stay faithful into the end. I'm here to tell you, God is calling us, RCC, like he called the church of Smyrna. He's calling us to remain faithful during the times of testing. If some of you have been tested right now and you're going through a test, I want you to lift up your hands right now. Come on. I want you to lift up your hands. You're going through a severe test. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it right now. It's not our answer to know. Just know that he's establishing you. He's strengthening you. He's perfecting you. He's settling you in your walk with God so that in your future, it will look brighter than it is today. And your character will reflect the character of Jesus. And you will not sway. You will not learn to say anything negative. Why? Because he's maturing his body. Today, I'm going to release grace for those who are going through the testing that you will remain faithful. Come on. I want everyone who's lifting up their hands get out of your seats and come to this altar if you're going through a test let's ask God give us grace to stay faithful unto the end the Lord has his finger on the time clock church come on lift up your hands and say Lord here I am I don't understand but help me to be faithful in the midst of my suffering help me not to have a language problem let me not curse you let me not doubt you Lord I pray right now that in the midst of my suffering my heart will be right come on ask these things in your own word my heart will be Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, everyone lift up your hands. Lord, including me, I'm going to be in this altar call right here. And I'm going to face you, Lord. We don't understand, but Lord, the call of God to Smyrna Church and to RCC, I know your suffering. I know your poverty. I know your affliction. Some of you will be tested, but be faithful unto death. For I'm working something in you. Trust me. Trust me. Come on. Father, I pray for grace. Grace to endure suffering. Come on. He's producing something in me. He's producing something in me. I want to look more like Jesus. Come on. Come on. say this in your own words Lord in your own words Lord help me to remain faithful I'm not called to understand why I'm suffering or why I'm being tested but I ask for your grace to not deny you to not speak evil of you to not go back to my old ways there's something that you're trying to get out of me there's something that you're trying to teach me watch this now and by faith I yield to whatever that is whatever quality you're trying to get out of me and Lord we thank you that we look not unto this world but to the age to come I look for the crown of righteousness I want you to envision right now close your eyes I feel the Holy Spirit I want you you envision that you are in heaven and they're about to call your name. And Jesus smiling at you for remaining faithful. Because you know why? Your family is watching you while you're suffering and how you act. Your friends are watching you how you suffer and how you respond when you act. Your church is, is looking at how you respond to when you suffer. You are looking at me on how I respond to suffering. So today, Lord, purify our hearts. Yes. I want you to envision yourself with Jesus right now before I close. And him coming to you. And not only saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. But he says, to you, come over here. Pull you to the side. I'm going to give you the crown. Myself. Me, myself, I'm going to give you the crown of righteousness for overcoming. I hate to say it this way, but sometimes we'll get that 
here on this earth. But sometimes we'll see it for all eternity. All I ask, Lord, is for myself and for the people of God here that you would release grace in the midst of testing. Grace, listen, not to fight and kick and scream. I, I see this picture in my spirit right now of a baby throwing a tantrum. And the Lord says, that's a lot like my church. And the reason why I'm allowing some testing is to stabilize them from the tantrums, from the waveringness. In your marriage, in your walk with God, in your friendships, God is testing you so that you could come out like gold. Smyrna is myrrh. Don't think it strange about the fiery trials that are trying you as if though some strange thing happened. What's our response? Either way, I will lift up my hands and trust the Lord. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. I feel the Holy Spirit here. Can we just sing something? And then we'll... Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.